0: and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: There's something we do each day, most of the time, unless we're fasting, and that is we eat food. And... I know when I first came to know the Lord, it's been many years now, several decades, I'll leave it at that, that I pondered as I read, really for the first time in my life, I read about what Yeshua did. Now, there's also what he taught And I've been enthralled with that myself. And how many of you are enthralled by what Yeshua taught? It's just incredibly challenging, some of what he taught. Some of his sayings are very difficult and hard, but they are impactful. And as I was reading through the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant, really for the first time, I, I was just caught up by some of what he did. We speak about what he taught, and we repeat um, verses that we've memorized of things that he said. I mean, who, who, who can recite um, Matthew 6, 33? Most of us can. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God as it goes. But one of the deeds that he did at least once and probably twice, because the numerics are different, is that he held a little bit of a dinner And he fed thousands of people without really preparation. Now, some of you are very great hosts and hostesses, and you you like to have a dinner company. You like people to come over for dinner. You like to set the table nicely, uh, but you really aren't planning for 5,000 people. And in fact, in this case, and I'm going to share in a moment uh, the, the account of this that's in Matatiyahu's gospel and Matthew's gospel, but in this case, there really wasn't any preparation. Um, it just happened. <laughs> and aren't you glad how able and capable the Lord is, that sometimes the very things that come into our lives, uh, you know, as, as the saying goes, and it's much more than a trite saying, as the saying goes, nothing takes Yeshua by surprise. Anything in your life that you're facing, it's not taking him by surprise. Even if we may be surprised at time, it doesn't surprise him. And as he, he ended up, and well, let's just read it, Matthew chapter 14 from the tree of life version. Here's what happened. When it became evening, notice that. Evening means the sun's about to go down. When it became evening, the Talmudim, the disciples, came to Yeshua saying, this place is isolated, and the hour is already late. <laughs> And, you know, just as a little aside, I wonder if Yeshua knew all that already. How many think he already knew? He knew all that already. So, thank you, Tommy Dean, for informing him, but I believe he already knew. It was evening time. The place was isolated, and the hour was getting late. This place is isolated, and the hour is already late. And then they make a suggestion to Yeshua. Have you ever made a suggestion to the Lord? (laughs) Let me see your hands, by the way. If you've made a suggestion to the Lord, oh, we've got a lot of honest people here. But they made a suggestion to him on how to deal with the circumstance. The place is isolated, the hours is late, and this is their suggestion. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And just as an aside, think about what would have happened if, they, if Yeshua had actually done that. Because we're told later that there were 5,000 men there, plus women and children. And they would have been letting loose this throng of people onto those little villages in the Galilee, seeking bread. There would have been, to use the Greek language word, pandemonium. And there would have been people who would have found bread and those who wouldn't have found bread. There would have been those who, who, who would have found a place to stay and those that wouldn't have. And Yeshua's solution, I suggest to you, and I think you would agree with this, his solution to this situation is much better than what the Talmudim were suggesting. This place is isolated and the hour's already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the village and buy food for themselves. By the way, they're assuming that the people had money to buy food. That's another issue. Verse 16, Matthew 14, but Yeshua said to them, they don't need to leave. Now, at this point, I would love to see the apostles' faces. <laughs> they don't need to leave. And then I would love to see the apostles' faces after the next statement. As Yeshua says this to them, they don't need to leave. And then he says this to them, you give them something to eat. I don't know if they looked at each other like, really? You know, I don't know how they responded. How would you have responded, by the way? When you look out and you see a throng of people and the master says, you give them something to eat. I would have probably been searching my pockets for something. I don't know what I would have done. But Yeshua says them, they don't need to, to leave. You give them something to eat. And their response is very honest, by the way. They say, we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish, five loaves and two fish. And later on, when we are given the numerics of the occasion, we realize that that would have been 1,000 people, men per loaf, (laughs) and 2,500 men per fish. How would you like to have divvied that up? had everyone sit down and get their little crumb of bread and their, the little fin of a fish, you know, for dinner. We have nothing here except five loaves and two fish, they said to him. And I love this next statement of Yeshua. Aren't you glad that he actually works in our lives in a real way? He, he deals with us in a very real way. He says them, and this is what we should be doing bring them here to me. We should be bringing people to the Lord because he's the only one that can really satisfy. He's the only one that can really fulfill. Many of us have found that in our lives. We've tried everything. We've been all over the world. We've been doing all kinds of things unsatisfied. And Yeshua's uh, statement here to his Ptolemy Deim is almost prophetic. He says, bring them here to me. And verse 19 continues, ordering the crowd to recline on the grass. Yeshua took the five loaves and the two fish. And please notice the next statement. And looking up to heaven, by the way, any circumstance we face in life, we should make sure we gaze up towards Hashem, to the Lord, and ask Him for His intervention. Ask him for his provision, ask him for his help, ask him for his direction, ask him for whatever it is we may need. It says, ordering the crowd to recline on the grass, Yeshua took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he offered the bracha, which is the Hebrew word for the blessing. He offered the blessing, just as Kevin did just a a few moments ago. He offered a bracha, a blessing. And then it says, after breaking the loaves, and you can imagine how transfixed the eyes of the people were. They'd been asked, they would told, really, the, the tense seems to be they were ordered to sit down, to get in groups to sit down, and, and they were complying. And by the way, it's always better in life when we comply with what the Lord tells us to do. It's better in life. Some of us, including myself, have found out the hard way time and time again that it's not so good to to not listen to the Lord. It's not a good approach to life. To comply is better. To obey is better than all sacrifice. So, ordering the crowd to recline recline on the grass, Yeshua took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he offered the bracha. It says in scripture, in everything give thanks. And after breaking the loaves, he gave them to the Talmudim, to the disciples. And the Talmudim, the disciples gave them to the crowd. Notice how he included his followers as part of the way to deal with the circumstance. And you know, he may want to use you if you are a follower of Yeshua. He might, may want to use you to deal with circumstances. Some of us, we step away sometimes from the difficult stuff. We need to step away. If God is leads, leads us to step right into whatever he tells us to do because he'll be there with us. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. Verse 20 of Matthew chapter 14. And it says this. What a great statement this is. They all ate. How many ate, by the way? They all ate. There was no one excluded. Yeshua's provision was for all of them. They all ate. And then there's this statement. And think about it. They all ate and were satisfied. And what, what did the meal consist of? Fish and a bread. Now, some of us in modern 21st century America would say, there's something missing there. <laughs> That's the dessert, <laughs> something like that. But it says they all, they all ate and were satisfied. And then this is what really, when I first read this, that struck me so strongly. The first time in my life that I read this. Not that everything we have read so far didn't strike me strongly as I first read it. Then it says this, and the Ptolemy Dean, the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces. By the way, it's not crumbs that they picked up. It's actually pieces of bread, pieces of bread. And many of us have had bread at home, and, you know, sometimes it, it, gets, it kind of falls apart a little bit, and you have a chunk of bread here and a chunk of bread there. They picked up 12 baskets full. How many loaves of bread did they start with in the beginning? Five loaves of bread, and they ended up with 12 baskets full of bread pieces, <laughs> not crumbs. <laughs> Actually, it would have been hard to pick up 12 baskets full of crumbs and put them all in a basket. And then verse 21, which really tells, tells what happened here in some ways, gives us the numerics and shows us the, the, the greatness of what Yeshua did. Now, those eating were about 5,000 men besides women and children. You do the math there. Besides women and children. We are talking about a great throng of people that were fed with five loaves and two pieces of bread, two, uh, two uh, fish. That's a great throng of people. Now... There's been many ways that this has been studied, this text, and as we just read through it, I read through it to refresh our memory, and and especially if you're not familiar with this particular passage, and there have been different terms to describe what happened here. One of the terms that's been used is the miracle of the multiplication. Now, some people, when they hear the word multiplication, it sounds too much like math. They want to go another direction but the miracle of the multiplication. And I think you would agree that's an apt way to describe this because there were five loaves and two fish, and it was multiplied, it was multiplied by Yeshua himself. And he took those five loaves and the two fish, and after he said a bracha, as the text tells us, more than 5,000 people were not only fed, but they were satisfied by him, by what he did Plus they had the 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over there. And although the text doesn't tell us, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Well, what happened with those leftovers? They had to be some of the best leftovers ever. I mean, 12 baskets full of leftovers that Yeshua had blessed. Oh, that's a, that's a pleasant thought, isn't it? It can go a long way. Now... As this has been often called the miracle of the multiplication, I think that as we look at this event, and this is one of several events similar to it, we come up with an idea here that this happened rather quickly. You might say, well, how can you conclude it happened quickly? Well, it says it was evening time, it was getting towards dark. And they had actually recommended, the shlichim, the apostles had actually recommended of Yeshua, suggested to him, to send them into the town. So whatever took place happened rather quickly, because there was no mention that it became dark as they were eating. So it happened quickly. And, and, you know, as, as we think about that, so many thousands of people, not to mention children... Thousands of people, 5,000 men, women and children, somehow by the Ruach HaKodesh, by the Holy Spirit, they were able to be put in a place or come to a place where they could receive from the Lord the sufficiency that they needed. It's important in our lives that we come to a walk with the Lord, that we receive of him who is our sufficiency. We receive that which is necessary for us to fulfill his call on our lives. If you're a believer here today and you believe in Yeshua as your Lord and Savior, there's a call on your life. We've talked about this many times over the year from this very beam of this pulpit. But there's a call on your life and it's important to make sure you, you allow yourself to come to that place of trusting in the Lord and receiving of him that which he has for you in order to fulfill that calling. And we can say about that crowd, 5,000 uh, by the way, how many of you think that all the children were quiet during all that? <laughs> or how many you think that all the children just sat there and they, the parents didn't need to look out for them, mom didn't have to chase after them, little Yaakov or, or little Yitzhak or whoever? Probably not. It was quite a scene, quite a throng. But one thing we can say about this scene is that they were all brought nearer to the Lord, physically nearer. And there's something that happened inside of them, perhaps. We're not told where, where these people scattered to, where they went eventually afterwards. But do you think that they went to their home place, to their village, to their area of Israel, and just kept their mouth shut about all this? I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I, I suggest that probably many of them blabbed the whole way home about it and talked about it among themselves. And later on, when they encountered each other, said, oh, I saw you there. You were there, weren't you? What a thing. They were brought nearer to the Lord, and they started to get a sense of the great power of the Messiah, Yeshua the Messiah. Now, we too... When we face circumstances, and there are varied circumstances, maybe even this week you've had in your life some varied circumstances that have come into your life. Some of them have come out of right field or left field or center field or no field at all. But they've come into your life, and you face some circumstances that at times you have wondered, well, how's this going to work out? Maybe it's a situation at your job or your workplace. Maybe it's a situation at your education place where you study or where you teach at. And you've come to that 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 idea of how's this all gonna work out? And over and over again, you've probably seen the Lord intervene. You've probably seen him somehow provide, oftentimes in ways that you didn't even anticipate. Just like what happened to the Talmudim here. Their idea was send them off, send them off, let them go to the village and buy bread. That was their idea. But the Lord intervened in a miraculous way well beyond anything they had thought of, his followers had thought of. And I think it's very important for us as believers that we make sure that we follow the Ruach HaKodesh, that we listen to the Holy Spirit, that we follow him. And and not to overuse this phrase, but that we make sure, as has been said over the decades, that we make sure that we don't place God in that proverbial box that we so often talk about. Because the moment we do that, we're limiting something that could happen in our life. Can you believe the Lord for things that are well beyond your own strength, your own ideas? I hope so, because that's who he is. And if you wonder if that's a true statement, I just suggest you tonight, maybe not tonight because it might be cloudy, but just take a look at the stars one day and realize that you don't even see a, 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 a scintilla of those stars. I was recently reading about how they number the stars now. I'm talking about places like Harvard University. They are numbering the stars as the the science improves. They are numbering the stars in the billions and the trillions, and there's no end in sight. Just think of that. And remember the first verse of Scripture. Bereshit barai Elohim et ha-shamayim v'et The first verse, Bereshit, Aleph Aleph, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you come to a circumstance in your life, a little bit like the Talmudim did here with 5,000 plus people, but you come to a circumstance in your life that just seems so far beyond you, remember to look heavenward and to avail yourself and place yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I want your provision in this circumstance. Now, the Tommy Talmudim, they could have come up with their own solution. In fact, they suggested what they would do with the 5,000-plus people. But let's get God's solution. Maybe the circumstance you're facing today, or you've had this past week, or one that seems to be looming in the forefront here, Make sure you look heavenward and remember the one who created the heavens and the earth to quote again what the Torah says. Nothing is too difficult for him. What is too difficult for him? Nothing is too difficult for him. Now, these individuals that were there that day, they would have been interesting to interview on like um, 60 Minutes. Or programs like that. You know, these human drama type programs. (laughs) It would have been interesting to interview them and get their, their, their reflection on what happened that day when Yeshua fed the multitude with the five loaves and the two fish. It would have been interesting. But one thing for sure I think we can say is they probably experienced some progress in their own understanding of who the Lord is. And that's one of the benefits of going through circumstances sometimes. We go through them with the Lord. We start to understand a little better. The eyes of our hearts are enlightened. We start to understand better who he is, what he's capable of, and maybe what he wants from us, what he wants to use us for. So they began to progress spiritually, no doubt, from that day. And that's much, it's much better to progress than to regress. How many agree with that? It's better to progress spiritually, have progress spiritually than to have regression in your life. Now, I've seen both over the years. I've seen individuals who have just pressed forward as a, to quote Philippians, I keep pressing onward to the high calling. But I've also seen people that have looked back and turned around and went back. And I can tell you just from observation, I think Scripture would verify this, that it's much better for those that keep pressing on with the Lord than for those that regress and turn and go the other way. Now, we want progress in our life. We want to be spiritually progressive, if you would. We want to make sure that, that we're not regressing but let me caution you that there are some things in life that we don't want to progress in our life. We don't want it to progress. There are certain things that we don't want progress in. Let me explain what, I'm, what I mean here. For example, we don't want to progressively sin. We don't want that. We're actually supposed to turn from sin. <laughs> We don't want to progressively harden our heart to the Lord and the things he says to us. We don't want that. We don't want there to be a progression happening in our life that we're continuing to harden our heart towards the Lord. That's the Pharaoh complex of what happened to him. Half the time he hardened his heart, the other time God said, I'm hardening it. We don't want to progress in being selfish. We don't want to be progressively more selfish than we were the day before. Or more self-centered, where the whole world seems to revolve around us, at least in our thinking, so that everybody has to talk about our situation and what we think and all that. We don't want that. We don't want to be totally self-absorbed. We don't want to progress in being self-absorbed. We don't want that. And we don't want to become increasingly Scrooge-like when it comes to generosity. We don't want that. We don't want to be so hardened that we're getting more and more like scrooge And less and less like the Lord, who's so generous to us and kind to us, and we don't want to become progressively worse in our manner of speech. (laughs) Just yesterday, I was in walking on the street in our neighborhood, and there were on the other side of the street on the sidewalk, there was a a young fellow. I, I don't know. He had a fishing pole in his hand. He was going to the local pond to fish, and he was with another buddy. I mean, I almost blushed some of the things he said. Some of the worst language you can imagine coming out of this young kid, and I felt sorry for him. I felt that should not be happening at his age. My guess is he was probably about 12 years old. The worst language you can imagine coming from him towards his friend, and I didn't hear what his friend said, maybe it's good I didn't hear what his friend said in response. We don't, wanna, we don't want our speech to be progressively worse And more and more, how would you say, crude? That's not what we're called for. Those things need to come out of us. Our speech should be seasoned, as it were, with grace, with the Lord's grace. And vulgarity shouldn't be there. It should not be part of how we communicate with anyone, even our enemies. And we don't want to progressively add bad habits to other bad habits. We need to be jettisoning these bad habits we might have. Bad by that, I mean those things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. Those things need to go as much as possible. And I know it's a battle for all of us. All of us have weaknesses, the things we struggle with. But the Lord is our strength. And as we sang today, we we have victory in Him in all these areas. And we also don't want to become increasingly covetous of material things. I say that here in the Arizona Brit in the United States of America. That's how we function. Madison Avenue, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, etc. We don't want to be like that. That's not what we're called to. We don't want to be increasingly covetous. Look at what Colossians chapter 3 says in verse 5. Therefore, notice the extreme language here. It's not so extreme gospel-wise. Therefore, put to death your members. And I'm glad it doesn't stop right there. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. And notice how it describes covetousness. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Many would say, I'm not an idolater. I've never bowed down to a statue or an idol. Oh, really? Are you covetous? It's synonymous terms biblically. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then verse 6 tips us off to something extremely critical for us. Because of these things, what happens? The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Now, if we're going to progress in life and be spiritually progressive, we want to be progressive as sons and daughters of obedience, not disobedience to the Lord. And clearly, idolatry is expressly forbidden in the Scripture. I I was noticing this week's parashah. Like you cry Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1. It says, Lo ta'asu lachem elilim. Lo elilim. You shall not make idols for yourselves. Then it continues and describes, Leviticus 26, verse 1, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land. And then it says this, to bow down to it for I am the Lord your God, and Adonai Elohechem, I am the Lord your God. Generally speaking, anything, anything that we put in place of the Lord, that takes the place of the Lord in our life, whatever it is that takes the place of El Chai, the living God, is potentially idolatrous, be careful, and idle. Now just there as there are ways and deeds and attitudes and habits that are not good, And I think you all would agree with that. There's some things that are just not good. No matter how the society paints it, no matter how the society legislates it, there's some things that are just not good in the sight of the Lord. Attitudes, habits, ways, deeds. And there are things that we don't, those are things we don't want to be progressively involved with, that we increasingly connect with those things. But there are some things that are good that we do want to progressively connect to. And Scripture makes it abundantly clear. For example, we are to progressively grow in the fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruit of the Spirit that are listed. We are to grow in those also the gifts of the Spirit. We are to grow in those things. We are to develop and continue to grow and foster in our own lives what I call holy habits because there are unholy habits. And there are holy habits. How many of you think holy habits are preferable on the side of the Lord? They are. And we want to grow in those things. And such things as prayer, we want to grow in prayer, not become less and less prayerful. We want to be progressive, spiritually progressive when it comes to prayer and fellowship and not forsake the assembling together of ourselves. as is the habit, it says in Messianic Jews, Hebrews. It's the habit of some. They've already gotten to a pattern of doing it. And we want to also stay in the Word, to read the Word. And if you're able to, to study the Word, anyone can grow into that if you're really willing to, to do that, to grow into a study of the Word. And it's very important for us to do these things, prayer, fellowship in the Word, so that there might be stability, spiritual stability in our life. Because a true follower of Yeshua is progressively dying to sin and selfishness, progressively growing into the things of God. Matthew chapter sixteen again, verse twenty four says this. Then Yeshua said to his disciples, and they went through a lot and day, his disciples, and then they heard this from him if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, the tree, the slav, the execution stake, the etz. And follow me. And this same statement is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, except there's one word added to it. Matthew 16, 24 says, If anyone desires to come after me, Yeshua said, let him deny himself and take up his cross, as tree, execution stake, and follow me. Luke nine twenty-three adds one word to this. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Daily and follow me. And the Amplified, not to be outdone, let me read you how the Amplified states this in trying to express the Greek ideas here behind these verses in Matthew and Luke. Here's what the Amplified version says And Yeshua was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, He must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be, suffering. Amplified version. So a true follower of Yeshua is casting off the ways of selfishness and greed, covetousness, and on the other hand, progressively growing in things like generosity and compassion and self control and self denial. That's what's happening in the believer's life. In other words, a true follower of Yeshua is growing in God's grace. How many are thankful today for the Lord's grace in your life? I am. I'm thankful for it. By grace, we have been saved through faith, through trust. It's not based on our works. It's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. It's a free gift. So we're growing in God's grace, and we want to also grow, be progressive in our obedience to what he has for us. Well, to close here this morning, apparently Kepha, Peter, was thinking along the lines of what we're talking about today, about the progressive side of spirituality in the sense of being spiritual, we want to be progressively spiritual. We want to grow in the things of the Spirit, not regressive spiritually, where the things of the Spirit become less and less a part of our life. We want to make sure the things of God are more and more a part of our life. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he wrote this. This is, this is almost the salutator. one verse before, and then he says this. May grace and shalom be multiplied to you, in the knowledge of God and of Yeshua our Lord. Now, there he uses the term multiplied, just like the miracle of multiplication. When Yeshua did that miracle and provided for that people as a miracle of loaves and fishes. But here, Kepha, who was actually there at the miracle of multiplication of loaves and fishes, he thinks in terms of multiplication in this way, he says, may grace and shalom, peace, real peace, heart peace, God's peace, be multiplied to you. And then in the knowledge of God and of Yeshua, our Lord. So the three godly traits that he wanted to see multiplied among the believers. Grace, peace, and the knowledge of the Lord. How many agree those are three things that we desperately need in our lives? We need his grace, we need his peace, and we need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord to be progressively going forward in our understanding of who the Lord is. But then he continues, and I want to continue and read this next section, if you would follow along with me. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 from the Tree of Life version. So after he says, may grace and shalom be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Yeshua our Lord, this is his thought process afterwards. His divine power, verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 1, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue, verse 4, through these things he has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, since you have escaped the corruption that evil desires have brought into the world. And then verse 5, now for this very reason, making every effort, he uses the term add. Multiplied in verse 2 and now in verse 5, it's add. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control patience, and to patient godliness, and to godliness brotherly love, and to brotherly love agapeo, God's love. For if these qualities are in you, and notice he says increasing, they're progressively growing in your life. If these qualities are in you and increasing... They keep you from becoming idle and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. But, and how often do you find that in Scripture? <laughs> There's this but here. But anyone who lacks these qualities is Blind. Nearer sighted because he hath forgotten his cleansing from past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make all the more effort to make your calling and election certain. For if you keep doing these things, you keep progressing in these things, you progressively go forward in these things, you will never stumble. And then it says in verse 11, For in this way entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Messiah Yeshua will be richly provided for you. Now, in this week's parasha, we read in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 9, the blessings that are connected to obeying the Lord and doing what he says. And that should be what we uh, uh, you know, aspire for, to obey the Lord and do what he says and to live according to his ways. In Leviticus chapter 26, verse 9, Moshe, the Lord through Moshe tells the children of Israel for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful multiply you similar term multiply you and confirm my covenant with you and then also in verse 11 of the same chapter Vayuqra Leviticus 26 I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. So friends, let's make this summer as many days as the Lord gives us, as a community, as individuals, as families, as married couples, as single people, as young, as old, as gray, as not gray, as bald, as not bald, all of us, let's make this summer a time of multiplication and of progress in the things of the Lord. Let's ascribe to that. Let's let's go for that. And with the help of his ruach, with his spirit, let's grow in his grace. With the help of his spirit, let's increasingly do what pleases him and not just try to please ourselves. Let's become more compassionate, as Yeshua said, and how convicting this is. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire compassion, mercy, mercy, Above all sacrifice. Go and learn this, he told them. And let's become more gracious in our speech. Let's get rid of the harsh statements. Let's try to. Husbands, speak to your wives more kindly. Wives, speak to your husbands more kindly. Let's ascribe to that. Let's aspire for that. Let's go for that this summer and beyond. Let's be progressive spiritually in these areas. And let's be regressive in those things that would hinder us from walking with the Lord. We want to be progressive in the things of the Spirit. You know, besides being more gracious in our speech, we really need to become more generous in our giving. We also need to to grow in being His servants. Learn to be a servant. If it's difficult for you, then start with something small. Activate yourself with the Lord's help. But start serving the community. Start serving his people. Start serving as he shows you to. And most of all, let's proclaim him. (laughs) There's a lot we can talk about. We need to be talking more about him and lifting up his name. Because he's the only one that can save us. If you're here today and you've never had a personal relationship with him, there's only one name by which you can be saved from the wrath to come. And that's the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. There's no other name given among men under heaven, any name. Abraham can't save you. Isaac can't save you. Yaakov can't save you. Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, can't save you. Any great philosopher can't save you, but there is a name above all name, and he is the Savior of the world. To all those that place their trust in him, he's your Savior, and that's Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Now, I leave you with this verse, and it's a repeat. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Will you read that with me, please? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Let's read it one more time with a little bit of feeling to it, all right? (laughs) His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. You're called by him. Respond. Be progressive spiritually. Make sure you get rid of that other baggage, but be progressive spiritually. Let's pray, please. Father, we exalt you today. We need you. Our circumstances sometimes are overwhelming to us. We feel sometimes even worse than having 5,000 people that need to eat. We feel like at times that the world is caving in on us. But Lord, you're greater. You created the heavens and the earth. Nothing's too difficult for you. Nothing can impede your power. You are El Shaddai. You are the sovereign God. You're the Melech. Hamlachim, the King of Kings, Adon HaDonim, the Lord of Lords. You are our Mashiach. I pray today, Lord, for each person hearing these words, that we would come forward from here and be progressive spiritually, and that we would make sure that we jettison from our lives those things that are regressive, those things that would hinder the move of your spirit in our life. Lord, I pray for those here today that need a physical touch of healing. Lord, you are our provider and you are our healer. I pray for those today, Lord, that need your wisdom. Messiah has been made wisdom unto us. Lord, I pray for those that need your guidance. Lord, you are teleoates. You are the wonderful counselor. No one can give you counsel, you are the creator. Thank you for this Shabbat. Thank you for the freedom to gather here. Lord, I pray particularly for the land of Israel and the people of Israel at this time. Oh, Lord, please put a hedge of protection around the people of Israel in the land of Israel. Protect the innocent. Be with those that are making decisions during this conflagration. Lord, let your enemies be confounded. And may your name be exalted, not only in Israel, but in all the Mizracha Tichon, all the Middle East, and also here in the United States. Ask these things according to the merit, the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpina.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at four zero five, eight four two, one nine six seven, or email us at info at org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.